And Mercutio. Shit. Mercutio was my favorite character in that movie. I fucking love oh Mercutio. God. Even in the... The original. The original <laughs> Shakespearean play. A curse on both your houses. Welcome back to the Shaken Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your host Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 1986 film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, directed by Toby Hooper. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I'm bloated. I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> if we sound a little different, for a reason. Hopefully I don't sound as nasally as last week. Still might sound the same. We recorded these episodes at the same time, so just FYI. <laughs> Eric's still blind. I can see a little better, though. Yeah. Sorry that we're recording these in advance. I also realized that because we recorded A Nightmare on Elm Street ahead of time, I forgot to say happy birthday to Shayla, one of our avid listeners. Definitely not old enough to listen to this, but still does. She's my youngest niece, so happy birthday. Sorry. Woo-hoo. Didn't forget about it. Just forgot at the time of recording that episode. Happy birthday. forget your birthday. We promise. She's so lucky. She has an October birthday. For the longest time, she didn't really like Halloween either. I almost had an October birthday. Yeah, you were a couple days away. What happened? Yeah. Your mom said my F mom. you. Yeah. <laughs> my mom said, get the fuck out. Yeah. But it's week three of spooky season. We have a couple of things planned for this weekend. We'll be joining the virtual version of the Salem Horror Fest starting that weekend into the week after. We've never done it before, so I don't even know what to expect. But I think from what I've seen, we get to see like a live stream of a bunch of movies that are not just mainstream movies, but also indie. Yeah, I think it's probably the first time they're doing virtual. So they probably also don't know what to expect. Live one's going on between the 1st and the 11th of October. So if you're there, I hope you went. Let us know how it was. Other than that, we also got this witchcraft mixology class. We're going to have spookier techniques to give you guys some cooler pictures and videos, hopefully. I feel like I'm in a rut. Yeah? Yeah. You feel pretty upset with your drink for today? We could talk about it in a sec. Okay. (laughs) Well, we've always said that we're not professional mixologists, so it's going to happen until we become pros eventually. 36 episodes in. God damn it. (laughs) We're not better yet. Well, what can we count that you got? I've got a couple things, but I wanted to bring up something that we were talking about earlier. We watch a lot of creepy stuff, and I feel like sometimes we need something to break up all the sometimes depressing themes that we watch. What should we call that? Content corner? Positivity content? No. (laughs) Well, think of a name. I think I want to ask for recommendations on what are people's comfort shows? The show you put on when you feel like poop. I know what yours is. You do. Just just so the people can know what our style is. Yours is Bob's Burgers. Mine's Bob's Burgers. Movies is Harry Potter. Yes and Not no. Not so much lately, right? Yeah, I've been watching other things. You went through a Twilight spell for a minute. Oh, I really did. <laughs> Every time I'd come into the house, you were watching it was Twilight. Twilight. I was like, why are you watching this? Yeah, that one was weird, even for me. But you just got to rewatch how bad it is. But it's still nostalgic because you watched it in your teens. It's definitely cringy. Yeah. Other than Bob's Burgers, there's something else that I always put on. Daria. Daria is also another I haven't seen you put that on in a minute. Because they took it off streaming sites and Uh, I'm like kind of upset. What are your comfort shows? You don't don't rewatch shows. I don't really watch anything because I'm always busy. You only watch new things. My comfort stuff is like playing video games or watching Marvel. Oh, that's what we should call it. Comfort content. Comfort content. Yeah. Are we doing this every week? Probably not. Probably when we need something positive. So tell us your comfort content and recommend stuff to us. The Slice of Life anime. Nichiju. I was just talking about this. Yeah, yeah that Nichiju one was so a big good. one. If you guys haven't seen it, oh my god, it's just hilarious. look up clips of it and it'll make you want to watch it. Look up the goat tackle or the deer <laughs> one. Oh my god. Or but, the dog. <laughs> yeah, the dog one is great. Any of the times where the space things happen. <laughs> if it sounds like nonsense, it is. It's great. It has no plot. You it's, said that it's called 
slice of life anime. That's right? the genre. We were looking at more, and you said that people were saying that Nichiju is the best one. So yeah. we started with the best. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a good time. So if you know of any that are just as fun, let us know. We could get back to creepy content <laughs> if you want. I watched this movie on Netflix, Coven of Sisters. It's an Argentinian horror film. It basically deals with the Spanish Inquisition. Think witch trials, but it takes place in Argentina instead. It makes you mad because of the way that women were accused. It's a little inspirational, but like the ending still made me hate the Spanish Inquisition. Hot, controversial (laughs) take. So it's decent. I think it's worth checking out. That's all I watched on my own. The rest we watched together. So I watched Horn of the Dead. It's actually a zombie film that takes place in Havana, Cuba. I thought it was going to be like a play on Shaun of the Dead. It was completely different than what I expected. A lot of, I'm assuming, inside jokes for Cuban government and and people who are from Cuba because the government doesn't even address the zombies as like people who are infected and undead. They're like, they're people who hate the government. They're rioters. So it's this kind of commentary on the government and the people. They turn the zombie apocalypse into a business. They say it in Spanish. They're like, Juan de los muertos, nosotros matamos a tus seres queridos. Oh, goddamn. So they're like, pay us and we'll do it for you so you don't have to yourself. <laughs> That's their tagline, huh? Yeah. Shit hits the fan by the end. I liked it. It sounded funny from what you described. We watched Midnight Mass, finally. We did. We we're, started it. We're like more than halfway done. Yeah, I think we have like two episodes left yeah mike flanagan is the director and he's the one who created blind manor and haunting of hill house haunting of hill house yeah i always want to say house on haunted hill another movie yeah you like it so far i've told you that these shows are too slow paced sometimes for me not that i hate them i understand like character development but i mean honestly just get to the point it's very different tale wise because while the other two focus on a huge house usually being haunted this one is about a small fishing town i would hate to live in a small town like this on an island which is extremely catholic or christian i'm not sure don't come at me please (laughs) so there's so many themes about religion it took three episodes to get to something that you're like here's the creepy part there are definitely characters i hate yes oh my god was her name bev 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 keen freaking worst but we also watched the documentary that we were talking about the first week of spooky season, Scream Queen, which is a documentary on the actor who plays Jesse in Friday the 13th, part two, Friday's Revenge. Mark Patton. It's definitely worth watching. I think it's very interesting what that film, Freddy's Revenge, did unintentionally or intentionally, and it's the effects that it had on its actor. Now, because I did miss a lot, did it come from what we had said at the end, that instead of using it to support homosexuality, it used it as a horror factor? So that was was actually one of the points of the documentary the screenwriter claimed for many years that it was gay subtext but it wasn't meant to be that overt it was written as scary and the love of a good woman can fix you he said that it was subtext and that our actor who played jesse is the reason that it came off super gay because he was just super gay it is upsetting to see because then later on as the film obviously turned i believe it was the 30th anniversary and as america became more accepting of people of other sexuality, he started to say that he did it on, you know, like change the narrative of what he said. Obviously, 30 years later with a different fan group, this film became very important to people who are of the LGBTQ plus community. It's just he really let the actor suffer the brunt of the consequences and didn't support him. And there was a part in there that I did not like. And it was when the director, Jack, 
shoulder because he has such a particular name. He spoke with Mark Patton. Mark Patton had kind of confronted the cast and the director with his feelings about it. He spoke with him one-on-one on another occasion in front of the cameras and told him that he needed to get over it and forgive the screenwriter. And I don't agree with telling people they need to get over something when you didn't suffer the consequences of it. Well, didn't we establish that Jack Shoulder had even like neglected that it was ever a subtext? Sounds like a douchebag. I mean, I didn't like that he did that. I don't know how he was as a person, but yeah. you don't get to tell people that when your career is not the one that freaking suffered immensely as a result of this movie. We've been talking about creepy content a long time. Well, you have cocktails, so okay. tell us why you hated this one. I'm just disappointed because it looks a lot like another cocktail we've already made for The Evil Dead. It's got different ingredients, but let me work on presentation and maybe I won't hate it so much by the time we post the video. Didn't even give it a name yet because I hated it so much. <laughs> I was thinking of a very particular scene where all the guts come out of the wall. So oh, I was yeah. thinking to do a tan color, kind of like skin, leather, face drink, and then use a very thick raspberry jam to kind of be like the guts in the drink. I have a name. You have a name? Flesh Fountain. Flesh Fountain. I'll go with it. Because when he cuts the wall and then it, it literally comes out like is. a fountain. <laughs> yeah, it's flesh and guts. Yeah, but it just kind of came out looking like our coffee namacon drink. I think you psyched yourself out because you did. used the same exact glass. That's the only reason it looks the same. So we'll use a different if presentation. We'll, again, we'll work on presentation. Yeah. You want to get Everybody a send VV love because... I'm really upset about this. I was thinking of changing it right before we started recording. Holy shit, that's strong. Yep. Fuck. You said I wasn't making strong enough drinks lately. You were making up for the last <laughs> month. Last month? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, if it made you shudder, I've like... Maybe it's just because I didn't expect it. I took a sip earlier and was like, that'll kill you. So what's in it is actually Irish cream, Kahlua. You said whiskey, and I agree because we're in Texas. What do you think of your own drink? It is strong. We are going to be... Talking nonsense by the end of this episode. That's fine. This movie is nonsense, so. True. It does look really gross because the jam and the ingredients kind of like coagulate. <laughs> That's exactly what I was expecting. So I'd say you did well. Thanks. We haven't gotten to the jam part, so the jam might help with the uh, strongness. Mm, it's chunky at the bottom. Yeah. So if you like chunky drinks, I'd give it a three. Strong, but the sweetness helps with it. I would give it a... And this is not against... You already feel bad about I'm this drink. I'm already feeling shitty. You already feel shitty about this drink. I give it a two, but it's because it's very sweet. For me. But okay. I like that it's strong. The bottom looks super yeah. nasty. Hopefully, cool. we can make it look better in post. Give this flesh fountain a try. Cool. Ready for some... Fun facts. So ready. This seems like a crazy movie, so I imagine it has a lot of fun facts. The original idea for the sequel was completely different from what we got. What we got is the result of the studio forcing changes in what was supposed to be a film about an entire town of cannibals called Beyond the Valley of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Toby Hooper and Kim Henkel, who is the co-writer of the first film, they were trying to make a satire film of another satire film that was done about the first film. Oh, <laughs> that man. film is called Motel Hell, so we should watch it. Ooh, I <laughs> would totally watch a movie about a cannibal town. It's kind of like The Hills Have I right there but with dark humor i can't imagine like an entire town of people selling meat like who do you eat does everybody just leave to go get meat and comes back and then sells it to each other i don't know could be it's like in midsummer where they make them go find who they're gonna sacrifice i think i read somewhere or maybe heard somewhere that tobe hooper wanted to play up the dark humor in his first film that's like hinted at so he wanted to make something completely different yeah i definitely like that about this one for those who don't know that dead guy that chop top keeps carrying around with them it's the hitchhiker from the first film. To make sure that she landed the role, Carolyn Williams, who is a well-renowned scream queen, plays Stretch in this film. She ran into the audition room screaming and barricaded the door. 
she even yanked Toby Hooper and another person who was in the room out of their seat. Obviously, she landed it. That's awesome. I really like her. I really like her in this movie. I'm noticing that in these films, the final girl is becoming more interesting. With the exception of Nancy. Where they have more depth. Yeah. Or they kind of save the sequel. I definitely felt that in Friday part two in this one she definitely makes this film more interesting you could say the same thing about jesse and nightmare yeah i think it's interesting to have a final boy for sure i think it's better they to make the movie make them more actually it's funny so i signed up for this backstage.com thing i don't know if you heard of it they'll send an emails and they'll be like hey we're casting for you know, oh, voice extras and voice acting yeah but i've noticed that there will be like smaller filmmakers who will say like, hey, we're casting for the lead, who is the Scream Queen. And then the side character, who is the killer. And I always, for the longest time, was like, the killer is the main, the main character. character. Yeah. It was weird to kind of be mixed up in that and like, oh no, yeah, the main character is not the killer. Even though the killer is consistent across the franchise, franchise. no matter what franchise you look at. That's true because truly what makes the story different or interesting is who survives in the end. Yeah. Kind of makes me think like, what if we had a horror movie where we get the point of view of the killer? Which we kind of got a little bit of because we watched the trailers for the other Texas Chainsaws after this. Like Leatherface that came out in 2017. I don't remember seeing trailers about this that much or that the movie came out. But watching the trailer, it seems like it's an origin story for Leatherface. And I was just kind of like, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I don't necessarily hate it though. Because I liked the, a lot of people will hate me for this, whatever, I don't care. They hate you. The Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. You haven't seen it either, right? Mm -mm. Oh my god, I can't into it because a I, lot I love, of people hate him and a I, lot of people hate rob zombie i know i know yeah. I, i'm not even talking about rob zombie i'm talking about purely the film i thought it was cool to see an origin story to michael myers it's almost like a psychological movie because you see why he became what he became and then mm -hmm. he grows up and then the movie goes on to be like Halloween. but the problem i have with like a leatherface one is that these films are like it's a serious film this is actually how leatherface happened and it eliminates the humor piece which i think gives this franchise its charm yes <laughs> and i think that might be why he's not considered one of the classic slashers a lot of the times part of the charm of leatherface is that he isn't the most serious killer he's kind of just told what to do by his brothers and giving yeah, him the, the dark origin story it's like i don't feel like it's true to the original character as we were watching the trailer i was even thinking like okay give chop top an origin story oh give God, the yeah. cook an origin story like honestly he's a side character he's the guy who's the minion he's the, the muscle, muscle. <laughs> again we're saying all this based off one trailer that we saw we should actually watch it all right let's keep going <laughs> <laughs> this one is just fucking hilarious the guy who plays lieutenant Enright, his name is dennis hopper allegedly says that he hated his role in this film hated it he's like this was the worst film i've ever been in but then he went on to play bowser or king koopa in the super mario bros movie from 1993 oh my god <laughs> <laughs> you know who's exactly like this and i'm probably gonna get heat for it who idris elba oh yeah He's like, I fucking hate this superhero crap, fuck it, but then has been like in a bunch of other ridiculous He's in the Suicide movies. Squad. Pacific Rim, like, dude, you can't talk shit and then be in what, exactly what you talk shit about. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's hilarious. Have you ever seen the Super Mario Bros? I feel like I remember seeing it in my childhood, but I can't give you a plot. I just remember that they were actual plumbers. John Leguizamo is Luigi. I don't remember who plays Mario. We need to watch that so you can see how ridiculous it is. I was looking up the casting. It says he plays King Koopa. I was thinking he was the bomb, but that's King Bob bomb It says he's Bowser. He's Bowser, yeah. Mm -hmm. King Koopa is Bowser. Apparently, the name Bowser didn't come until the Nintendo games were translated to the US, and his name was King Koopa, King Koopa. Gotcha. in Japan. Bob 
Hoskins is Mario. Yeah, I don't know. He was know. also in Roger Rabbit. Love Roger Rabbit. <laughs> is that a horror film? Can we just cover it? Yeah. We should have a nostalgia week where we just cover like a film for well, our childhood. Going back to your, what, what do we say content for happy? Happy content? Comfort Con- content. Oh, I was going to say content content. No, that's <laughs> content content. Content content. What did you say? Happy content? Comfort content. Comfort content. <laughs> for comfort content, I think we should do like happy, like Disney Halloween shit. Halloween Town and uh, Phantom of the Megaplex. You, you know what those, I want know? to cover? I love this movie, The Adams Family. Because yes. it's not scary. You're talking about the animated one? Oh, Both. Both of them. Yeah. I actually love. Okay, like I just will watch anything that says The Adams Family. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, we should play The Adams Family video game. Is it based on the recent movie that came out? No. No, the video game is the old school one. I told you about this. I used to play that on Johnny's computer back in the 90s. In the 90s. Yeah, it was a side-scroller. It was really cool. You played as Gomez, which is fun. But anyway, yeah. back to fun facts. Fun <laughs> We're facts. already like 30 minutes in. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Next thing I got, Bill Mosley, who plays Chop Oh my Top. God, we haven't even gotten to the speed run. I'm no. already drunk. What if I fail? You will fail. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to chug this. You will fail. <laughs> this movie is so long. Bill Mosley was chosen for the role of Chop Top after Toby Hooper was shown a short film parody created by Bill called the Texas Chainsaw Manicure. Manicure? <laughs> yeah, where he played the hitchhiker. So once they were talking about doing Chainsaw 2, he contacted Bill to be in the movie. So was this like the start of his career? And Bill then Mosley? he went on to uh, do like Devil's Reject and um, a Thousand Corpses and all I'm that. not sure. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool he, he like parried nubbins right the hitchhiker mm-hmm. yeah you could see why he was then cast as his twin brother chop top i feel like is a character that divides audiences you either love him or you hate him i think the casting in this film is like so perfect like the cook no one else could play him his name is jim saito he's a character you definitely hate because he says a lot of like really offensive shit but he really embodies the role of this redneck offensive racist bill mosley perfect chop top i don't think anybody else could have done these roles the way they did last fun fact though <laughs> we made it. Viewers hated this sequel because of the gore and humor aspect, but Toby Hooper argued that the same thing was done in the first. Viewers don't agree. This is exactly what makes Texas Chainsaw unique to the others. It's, it's that it's a horror film, but also it's weirdly funny. In an insanely dark way. We're not saying that the way he murdered people was funny. I definitely think the dark humor is within their relationships and the way they treat each other and how at its core it is a dysfunctional family. And any dysfunctional family is hilarious. I know. Honestly, (laughs) apparently Toby wasn't even going to be the director. He was supposed to originally just be the producer, but because there were budget decreases, Toby ended up having to direct it. Interesting. I think I also saw somewhere that this is not the original Leatherface, the same actor, due to like disagreements on pay for the original actor. That seems to be a recurring thing for yeah, these sequels. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to say that for every... <laughs> yeah, the guy who plays Leatherface in this one is Bill Johnson. Kind of sad that it's not the original because I did like what he did with the character of Leatherface. Not I also bad. don't dislike this one. Yeah, I don't I like this the one. holding the chainsaw over your head and then just jiggly dance. Jiggling. Yeah, so I'm ready, I think, if you're ready for a speed run. Oh no, I'm not. Okay. Honestly, I think I could chug the rest of this drink and it's the same as a shot. But since the jelly's at the bottom, I don't know if that's a good idea. It's going to get a shut full of jelly it's so gross looking ready set go so there's these awful kids like shooting things in texas and they call into a radio station station where stretch is the host they like harass her and then they harass another car but the car ends up being the sawyer family and they end up killing them on air stretch has the tape takes it to lefty who's like the uncle of franklin and sally from the first movie and he is like desperately trying to solve this case Uh, he blows her off, but then comes back to her, essentially using her as bait for this family. She plays the tape on air, on loop, for, like, all day, and 
the family does show up to kill her. She ends up kind of um, manipulating Leatherface. It's like a love interest story. Um, and they think that she's dead and then they like leave, but she's like, no, the mystery is not solved. I got to chase them. She chases them into the tunnel where Lefty then follows her. And the rest of the movie is just them in this tunnel trying to escape the family. And eventually she does end up killing um, Chop Top where Lefty releases a bomb on the rest of the <laughs> You were doing so good. <laughs> You were doing so good. I was actually really, really proud of you. I was like, oh my gosh, she's doing like great. I was great. trying I to never focus so hard. You were doing so good. You literally uh, like were I'm right so at the close. end. Yeah. Uh, and I saw you go that's backwards. That's where I made the mistake. You went backwards to mention what happened to Lefty. But I'm just honestly going to sip this. Mm, mm-hmm. Was it thick? Thick. I think the jelly made it worse. Yes. If you are into sweet things, I think you will like the jelly at the end. I did not. I got all jelly, all alcohol. Well, it is all at the bottom. I'm definitely going to try to present this better. Do you want to give an overview then since I failed so bad? This one's quick. Ready? From IMDb. A radio host is victimized by the cannibal family as a former Texas marshal hunts them. Love it. Sweet, short, to the point. Yeah. I feel like every time I do it, it's just like one sentence. Yeah, and then mine's is full of people who are trying to be like crazy movie critics and use every <laughs> big word they've ever known. Just so that you could struggle. Just so I could sound like an idiot. No, no way. Are you ready to chainsaw into this? Yeah. We get this rolling title explaining the events of the first movie. It says that Sally was found right after the incidents of the first movie, claiming that all her friends were killed, that her brother Franklin was killed. And then she went catatonic, which makes me sad because she survived a lot. So she should go on and live, you know? It's pretty dramatic, though. It is very traumatic. I mean, she's still a final girl, but like you want the final girl to go on and keep fighting. The credits then go on to say that... Police tried to investigate it, but found no evidence of anything, which is like crazy to believe because I'm sure they would have found the murder house full of human skeletons. I don't know how the family would have cleaned out that quickly. Right. And the truck driver from the first one, he (laughs) literally saw what happened. He's literally a witness. Who knows? Maybe he's still running to this day (laughs) or they caught up with him. He's running to Texas Battleland, whatever this theme park was at the end of this movie. Yes. (laughs) But there are repeat murders all over Texas and there seems to be no end in sight. So this has been going on for what, 14 years is what they say? Yes. And we should note that this sequel takes place more than 10 years after the original. Yeah, the first one was 74, this is 86. Um, which is actually a really long time. It is a very long time, so I wonder what made them wait so long for a sequel. It could be that the 80s was the birth of the slasher, but those slashers were pumping out sequels so quickly. I know, Friday was one year after. Yeah, they said that um, recording began like 10 months after the first release or something crazy like that. Good on them. Yeah. But the rich people... Rich because at the time of this movie... They have a phone in the car, and I believe that that was very expensive to have. They're shooting at literally everything. They're shooting signs, they're shooting things along the way. We get introduced to Caroline Williams' character, Stretch, who is a radio host. I thought this was strange. They call her, and they're yelling things at her, and they're like, all right, cool, well, you know, hang up. Good job, guys. And they're like, no, they keep her on the line. LG, who is Mm -hmm. her assistant or tech, is like... We can't get them off unless they hang up, which is a ridiculous way to do this. I'm assuming they've corrected this if this is real, right? Right. I would hope so. Yeah, but the guys are just like being douchebags. And then they play chicken with the wrong vehicle. Which I think I've brought this up on the show multiple times. I always say don't mess with people because you don't know if they're crazier than you. Especially in Texas. Especially in Texas. When I was there a few years ago for work, the 
Uber driver was telling me, you don't want to like cut people off here in Texas because here having a gun on you is normal. You cut off the wrong guy, they could literally shoot you on the expressway. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> they say don't mess with Texas. <laughs> I don't think playing chicken in Texas is a, good, a idea. good idea. The reason we know that this truck is the wrong truck to mess with is because after they play chicken, the truck swerves and the back of the truck has an American flag, which comes into play later. It's now switched to nighttime when the boys buzz and Rick the Prick call back to the radio station. She's very annoyed with them. Unfortunately for them, they come across the truck that they cut off earlier on a bridge. This truck cuts them off similar to how they did and they're very upset that yeah. someone treats them the way they treat people. I thought that was hilarious. They're like but that's super mad. Yeah. So accurate. They threaten them to get out of the way and they do and end up driving backwards for a very long period of time. <laughs> on the longest bridge in <laughs> lifetime, yeah. Now, during this whole encounter, they are on the phone with Stretch who is hearing what we will see is a murder because out from the truck pops what looks to be like a Halloween prop, honestly. And it's moving lanky and shaky. The one guy has a gun and doesn't shoot until the driver is like, why don't you shoot at them? Way too late. Yeah, he's probably in shock from what he's seeing because it is this corpse. They don't know it's a real corpse. And it is holding a chainsaw, waving it at them. When he does come to his senses to shoot the thing, we see Leatherface right behind the corpse. Leatherface cuts the face of the driver. This is also the first gruesome scene we get. We're back with Tom Savini. Yeah, he's Tom Savini. <laughs> and you could totally tell. It's like squirting blood. And it's crazy because I don't know that this would actually happen. The guy's got his head sliced in half and he's reaching up to his face, but you'd be dead. I don't think that you would even still have motor skills to reach for your face. The brain stays alive after a certain time, but if the brain it's is not cut. intact, no. <laughs> I don't know. Unless your body has like those impulse motor. To reach for where there's pain? I don't know. Who knows? I don't want to find out. The car spins out of control. And stretches on the phone the entire time. Yelling at them to hang up. Because she works at the radio station, this entire call is being recorded. Stretch and LG are like, what the heck happened? She thinks that LG cut it off and LG's like, no, the only way that that would work is if they hung up. I think we should quickly mention that LG and Stretch like each other. I don't know if it's exactly romantic, but they are co-workers. It seems like they spend a lot of time together. It's implied that it's romantic later on. You know, you said that I kind of just thought he just liked her and she was just nice to him. She tells him she loves him, but that could just I be really like... I love you. You're dying, though. <laughs> I did like their dynamic, though, because he seemed to genuinely care for her. And when she was irritated and stuff, he would cheer her up and she would always like look at him. Like it's a oh, much you. closer relationship than I have with any of my coworkers. Than you have with me. No. Well, I guess you are my coworker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The cops are at this crash site. We get introduced to Lieutenant Enright, or Lefty, as he's later referenced to. He's a cowboy cop type. He's got like a sombrero. I don't know what you call it. Tejana. Like, I don't know what Americans call sombreros. It Reminds me of like a chato because it's really short. Honestly. We're not Texans. We don't know what the names of your outfits are. Please let us know, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there actually are outfits if you want to get technical, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> With being introduced to Lefty or Enright, he is super into the Texas Chainsaw Attacks. And we find out that it's because he's actually related to Franklin and Sally, as we mentioned before. He gets confronted by some cops that are local and they're like, look, dude, there's nothing actually going on. You're crazy. There's something that I find so interesting about how this case is being portrayed. I think it's accidentally very true to how a lot of murder cases are treated. In the 70s and 80s, the notion of a serial killer was very new. And a lot of times when crimes were being committed, say, even within the same 
state, maybe if you were in a different county, a lot of police precincts wouldn't communicate that they would have the same type of case going on. So the idea of a serial offender was not something they really could fathom. 14 years, though. But that, like, there was so many active serial killers around the same time throughout the 70s and 80s. I find that so strange because Jack the Ripper was a thing in London. There have been serial killers before. I don't know why it took humanity so long to realize that like serial killers are a possibility. 70s and 80s are not that long ago to have been like, oh shit, there's a guy killing everybody everywhere. Seems like negligence to me. Part of it is police stations not wanting to communicate with each other, but... Why are we so dumb? Because hindsight's 2020. We're so fucking dumb. Even when we talk about like medical stuff, when you really look at how slow we've figured things out, it's like, wow. I didn't realize how dumb we are. <laughs> I mean, you learn through your mistakes. Yeah, over hundreds of years. I actually think something really interesting about this whole notion of a serial killer is that a lot of people say that we are in an era where a serial killer could not operate or it could not operate for a very long time anymore. Now we are in the era of mass shootings and spree killings where they go into a crazy mode and kill all at once. I think that a serial killer could be a different kind now where technology is used to their advantage. I'm watching Clickbait, right? I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it this far, but it's like there's a guy who has gotten another guy killed because he photoshopped a bunch of pictures of this guy and then basically created this fake life for this person who then became the target. So is he Serial killing serial not... killer because he's focusing on one dude? He, he's not serial in this case, but what I'm saying is that it's possible to have a different breed of serial killers where technology is the main source of the way that they do this. Maybe serial killing is hard in the traditional sense where you're 100% committing the crime, but there's ways now with technology that you could frame people. 30, 40 years from now, people are going to be like, how did they not know about that spree killer on the internet? You yeah, know? Wow, what a tangent. <laughs> what are we going this? <laughs> because we're talking about how lefties perceived as crazy but it's just that the police stations haven't caught on. He's seeing something that they don't want to realize. He also has an ulterior, ulterior motive. That his brother's kids were killed. He agrees to leave the crime scene on the condition that the police put out a request for evidence on what has happened here. Stretch has seen the ad for evidence. She reaches out to Lefty at his hotel, it seems. There's people trashing the place outside for some reason? Yeah, he's at a very like party-heavy hotel. He is also drinking. He's just doing it quietly in his room. I found this scene very strange. Lefty is literally putting down Stretch for offering what he's always wanted. He's wanted evidence that this is a chainsaw killing. And he is either too drunk or just so misogynistic that he's like, you are only going to get in my way. You don't have anything that I actually need. But if your whole like last 14 years was spent trying to find this killer, wouldn't you jump at the opportunity? You also just literally got told by a cop that you're fake and wasting your time. I think you'd jump at the opportunity immediately. She's literally holding a tape at his face and is like, this was recorded on my radio station last night. I like Stretch's whole point though. She's like, I don't want to be just a good for nothing DJ. I want to make a difference. And that's why she's doing this. Also, how traumatic that she literally heard the murder of two kids. As shitty as yeah, they were. <laughs> she probably does want to make it right in some sort of way. I also would like to note, giant purse. She has a giant purse? I didn't see it. It is the size of her body. <laughs> and she's Love a it. tall lady, too. She looks tall. So the next thing we get is them at, like, a mall slash hotel slash some, like, communal place. I wasn't sure if, like, Lefty is staying in the same place as this chili cook-off. Because she looks like she storms off still mad about the conversation. Maybe it was just, like, a community place and she's the DJ, but she also reports on things to bring back to her show. Just like us. I mean, she's a podcaster. She's an early podcaster. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> so she shows up to this cook-off and we quickly know 
That shit's wrong because we see that Drayton Sawyer slash the cook has won the chili cook-off. He's bragging about, it's all about the meat. And you as the viewer are like, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's eating you him. know. We got this super weird chainsaw purchase scene where Enright goes to buy chainsaws. Says not a single word to this man at the store. Grabs a bunch of chainsaws, sizes them up. It felt like the penises were just hitting my face the entire Absolutely. time. Absolutely. This scene is very fast. This whole movie kind of. Later, there's allusions to even Leatherface using the chainsaw as like a metaphorical penis against yeah. Stretch. They have their chainsaw duel, but it's like, who's got the biggest It's a pissing contest, yeah. yes. It is extremely phallic because he literally goes for the biggest chainsaw on the wall. And then he gets two smaller ones. And every time he's sizing them up, he's like presenting them against his like crotch area. <laughs> and the, the store owner's like, uh, do you have any questions? Do you want to test them out? And he's super like, what he's the fuck He's super is into it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it's for the humor part, but like, yeah. why wouldn't he just go for some guns or something? Why wouldn't you at least tell the shop owner what you're doing? Fire with fire. He's like, gotta get some chainsaws to fight the chainsaw man. If I was the store owner, I'd be like, just leave. Please leave. I will take your money. Just leave. The next scene we get is... Lefty showing up at the radio station where Stretch works. Basically says that he needs her to play this tape on a loop all day because he's trying to draw out the killer. Once you play this tape all day, the cops might actually take me seriously. Which is what he tells her, but we find out later he is just using her as bait. Stretch obviously feels like, yes, I want to do this, want to help. Takes him up on his offer. He never shows up, obviously. But what was showing up going to do? Did he assume someone was going to show up to the radio station to fight her? Well, he's a lieutenant, right? You would think he'd come with backup. He doesn't even show up in a cop car. Without guns, he shows up with chainsaws. (laughs) We get the scenes of Stretch playing the audio over and over again every hour. We also see the older brother. And he's super happy because he won his little trophy from the chili cook-off. He also has a phone in the car. He also gets a call. They tell him, listen to the radio. He's like, what? You better not have done something. Y'all will be the death of me. And he pulls over and is upset. We jump back to Stretch playing this audio over and over again. And she's basically paid it all day and is ending the night. LG is telling her, look, a lot of people are upset that you played this. She's trying to play it off. He leaves to go get coffee for them. She's left alone in the radio station. As she's kind of like closing up. She hears a loud crash, so she goes out to investigate. It looks like a lobby area where they have people wait. And we get introduced to Chop Top, who has a wig on. And he's very, very, very chatty. He talks a mile a minute. He does. Oh my god, yeah. He says so much. He's like, I love your station. I love this place. Let me make a next request. You know what? I'm here. You want to give me a tour? And he keeps scratching his head and has a lighter that he lights the end of a hanger. I hate this so much. It grosses scratches. Later we find out he's scratching his scabs. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate it. (laughs) Stretch obviously is like, what the hell are you doing here? We're closed. Realizing this man is somewhat unstable. She tries to get him out of there as soon as possible. Like you said, he's scratching his scabs and honestly, I think it's like the grossest part. (laughs) More than like all the gory stuff that comes later. Yeah, Yeah. I hate it so much. He's eating too his scabs. He's eating the scabs. I think that's the grossest part. Okay. They they eat human. They eat human, but like to watch him like, I don't know. Well, it's like you have a snack on you at all times. It's disgusting. (laughs) I hate it so much. But while she's trying to get him out the exit, this scene was funny. It is funny. Mr. Shark and she's like... <laughs> there's a plant, here's a Rolodex, here's another thing, and here's the exit. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. That's when Leatherface comes out of the dark doorway. In the process of trying to hit her, he hits Chop Top, and sparks come out. This is when you learn that Chop Top has a metal, a metal plate, plate on his skull, and that's what he's been scratching at. You're assuming it's probably from Vietnam. Yes. There are some lines later on that confirm that. He's really upset about his wig, which is funny because <laughs> it's like that wig is not fooling anybody. <laughs> Leatherface chases after Stretch. Stretch is actually 
actually able to lock herself in another part of the radio station. It has a very heavy metal door. Leatherface is not actually able to get in there. LG shows up and notices the car outside that's not stretching. Anybody. So he goes upstairs. He turns around and Chop Top is going through their records. He's like, what the hell are you doing in here? Is this when Leatherface pushes him or how does he get attacked? So I think Chop Top starts attacking him. And because Leatherface can't get to Stretch, he comes back and helps his brother tackle them because LG is fighting both of them. Chop Top gets the upper hand on him and just keeps hitting him over and over again on the head. With a hammer, you would think that he died here. It's emphasized a lot. I thought the same thing. I don't think LG would have survived as long as he did. Unless he wasn't hitting him hard and just playfully hitting him. There's no way that LG would have survived. Because it's so much blood. So while he's going in on LG, Leatherface goes back to look for Stretch and Stretch is freaking out. She can't figure out a way to get out. Leatherface crashes through the wall and we get this really weird scene where I was telling you that it's almost like a reoccurring theme in these sequels that the villain is like a giant Hulk. It even alluded to like King Kong and the damsel in distress where the monster is calmed down by the beautiful woman. Beauty and the because Beast. Because Leather, be- Le- Leather Beast. Leather Beast. <laughs> Leatherface is... Trying to attack her, but she's like, no, no. And she's talking to him and he's like confused because he's like, wait, what? You don't get the same empathy from Leatherface in the first film, right? He ran into a bunch of girls who were screaming for their lives, but none of them, I guess, tried to talk to him the way that Stretch did. (laughs) Stretch, the way she talks to him throughout the film, I find insane. Because she just decides to start talking to him. What would make her think to even try? You're so used to them just screaming and running for their lives that you never think, let me just talk. It's very fast thinking, I assume. That is what gets her out of this situation. It's kind of funny that we watched Friday the 13th the week previously and then this film right after because it's kind of a similar situation with our final girls. They psychologically analyze the killer and manipulate him in some sort of way, which I don't think we've seen that much before. No, it's just purely killing and they have no personality other than that. That's just what they do. She talks to Leatherface and Leatherface is confused and this is when we get the weird phallic allusion to his penis is the chainsaw and he starts to inch towards her legs and goes to her crotch. She plays it up. She starts, like, encouraging him and dirty-talking him. This scene you could analyze a hundred different ways, honestly. So I'm going to. Let's begin. (laughs) No, the thing that I found really reading too much into this, probably, is that with Leatherface being inspired by Ed Gein, being a character that was possibly transgender, wore women's faces, how does this scene come into play? Let's get rid of the character's inspiration, Ed Gein, and just focus on Leatherface. It becomes a very, I don't know if pseudo-sexual is the right term. The chainsaw stands in place for the penis. And is he masturbating? I don't exactly... He's making humping motions. It's almost like Leatherface's kid who is learning about his sexuality because that's also how the kind of implies like Later oh on. you've discovered sex we were gonna hold it up from you because there was no it's reason it's not worth it yeah <laughs> what a family but i think it's either him revving up the chainsaw or implied that he's masturbating the part where he kind of goes crazy and loses it and doesn't know how he feels i think we're supposed to gather that it's him climaxing he runs away leaving her there shocked and surprised chop Top believes that Leatherface has killed her. He's like, I got a bonus body. Look at this. He's like, but fuck you. You ripped my wig. But also, did you get her? Yeah. (laughs) I believe the hitchhiker in the first film is supposed to be schizophrenic. And therefore, it's implied his twin brother is also schizophrenic. Well, they all do it, too. As well. And that they're like, oh, I'm happy about this. But also, what the heck? I hate you guys. But also, good job. 
They take the body of LG and leave. Stretch is upset that they're leaving because she's like, they're gonna get away. I don't think I would do this. She's like, Lefty never showed up, but also let me just chase after them. She follows them over to Texas Battleland, which seems to be like either a closed down or planned theme park. There seems to be a car behind her that's also following. So she gets off her car, chases after the truck on foot, and then notices that Enright or Lefty's car from earlier is following behind her. She thinks it's just them chasing her and just sprints in the most Scream Queen way possible, screaming, running, flailing. Finally, Lefty gets off the car and is like, stretch she turns around she's like lefty you weren't there for me and in that moment a trap door opens this is a trap door that literally throws you into the park like why How what, what were safe? people yeah <laughs> what, what were people planning is that why these got closed down so lefty goes to help her because she gets caught in this net he uses a skeleton hand to try to grab her and help her up but it breaks like Obviously. idiot dude what, what did you expect i don't think they realize it's a skeleton hand until after but the thing that i find insanely upsetting about this scene is that lefty admits that he used her her as bait. He is kind of just surprised that she's alive. He was fully willing to let her die just so he could go follow the family to their actual hideout, which is why I don't like his character. This makes you assume he was watching the entire thing from outside. Yes, he probably was, and he's surprised that she survived. Hate him. Yeah, he's the worst too. Like, right after this, he just becomes super crazy himself. Listen, Lefty thinks he's the main character of this movie. He is not the main character of this movie. And he thinks he's doing something, but he's really just making things worse for other people. And weird. Up until the end, where he kind of redeems himself but not really. He does not care about what happens no, he to doesn't. her. He's just there for revenge. He really for, is. For He's everyone. just hell-bent on revenge. He goes back to his car and is like, you know what's a good idea? Let me get these chainsaws on my car. Carries all three. Lefty goes in and he's like, I'm going to bring that place down and starts just hacking away at literally everything. Walls, chairs. Just full mental breakdown. <laughs> Ceilings. He finds that fountain of guts and stuff. <sighs> this scene just reminded me of Spongebob where he says, I will restore the working man to his rightful glory. I will dismantle this oppressive establishment board by board. I will saw the table tables of tyranny in half not the ankles of big business that's basically how this guy runs into this <laughs> playland it is oh my god and also we watched the scene really quick and i was like damn this hits different when you're in corporate america but that's the energy he brings to this hideout <laughs> yeah because he's just slashing at everything in sight hilarious well, Lefty is having that whole episode doing nothing. <laughs> Stretch is finding her way towards this underground cave of horrors. There are skeletons everywhere. There is meat hanging from the ceilings. And there's also a bunch of what looks like Christmas lights and circus lights to help the family guide their way through these tunnel systems. She catches up with the Sawyer family. They're having this conversation that on first glance you probably aren't paying attention to but this is where chop top reveals their business is bankrolled by the plate in his head i believe he means that because he sustained uh, an injury during vietnam the government paid him a certain amount and they used that to create their like food truck family business that they're now living off of because the brother is constantly insulting them saying that he's the reason that they even work or have money that's when chop top responds with like actually the money i received from vietnam is the reason we're even here it's, yeah. it's an interesting exchange it tells you how they have their business again maybe on first glance you're not even paying attention to this because you're just watching stretch see the body of lg and is worried about him worried about where she is the next scene we get is Leatherface being told that he has to chop up LG for meat. Peel the skin off that pig. Stretch watches as Leatherface slowly but surely, in a weird way, uses this handsaw to 
peel off he's humming LG's right? face and his skin is he humming i can't remember he's i thought like it was just music in the background humming or something yeah he's having a good old time a good little butcher in the meantime stretch hits a piece of metal and leatherface runs out to her and she's spooked this scene is so gross it is also very interesting i think that scene back at the radio station and this one kind of show you the super strange dynamic that stretch has with leatherface because he sees her there and is startled and is ready to kill her immediately. She talks to him again, just talks to him. Hey, no, that's not good. Help me get out of here. Instead... He's like, I'm not gonna let you go. I like you. Yes. To either mimic how he is and seeking a partner, he grabs LG's face and puts it over her. This gave me Frankenstein monster vibes. It's also very gruesome for 86. If you want to say this movie is humorous and it is to some extent this scene is pretty gruesome i think this film received an x rating and it was released unrated for the same reason could be scenes like this that did that you know i thought certain horror movies were like really nasty while i was growing up no they've always been this nasty (laughs) in terms of gore like you said he puts lg's face on her and she's so disgusted he also puts his hat on her and then gets caught by the cook. The cook's like, what are you doing over there? Are you hiding something? And he's like, nope. They call him over and he locks her up. I think this is probably the saddest scene. LG wakes up. Again, I do not think he would have been alive this long. No way. He's Um, already gotten his head bashed in. He's faceless and skinless on his chest and leg. He literally just comes up to help her get out and then dies. And she is very distraught by this says that she loved him like we mentioned earlier it's cool that the movie goes into the fact that although it's illogical that he is alive everything hurts when he's trying to help her get loose from the rope with a knife his body's jerking so you're thinking like he could potentially stab her he ends up actually cutting her loose but you're worried that if he jerks in the wrong way he could hurt her yeah super sad for lg i liked his character He just seemed like the himbo of this film. (laughs) As he dies finally from his injuries, she puts his face back on, which (laughs) I find so sad. The scene is just like the most sad and serious to me in this whole movie. Because after this, we get like some ridiculous stuff. Yeah, the rest of it's ridiculous. While Stretch is trying to escape, she's kind of lurking in the background. Meanwhile, the conversation of the family is arguing about property taxes. I found this hilarious because he's kind of right. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> celebrities like, don't pay taxes. Celebrities don't. The rich don't pay taxes. Who pays taxes? The little man. Yeah. I was like, huh. Yeah. So Which is kind of funny kinda... because your SpongeBob reference works in that way. <laughs> yeah. Drayton or the cook is SpongeBob. Is SpongeBob. <laughs> Not but Lefty. They see Stretch run through the tunnel. They all pause in the middle of the rants. Do you see that? Do you see that? Booger? Chop Top's like, oh, Booger? How big was it? Leatherface is saying like, no, I didn't see that. (laughs) Yes, I did. No, I didn't. Because he's hiding a secret. As this is going on, Lefty is still in full-on mental breakdown. He finds Franklin's skeleton in the wheelchair with this flashlight that still has battery 14 years later. Lefty is pissed and continues to slash at things while Stretch is running. She sees that there's a chainsaw sound in one direction and turns entirely around, but then runs into Leatherface. Just proving that Lefty is there to just fuck things up. Yeah, she would have left had he not been there. Way earlier. She runs from Leatherface and he's slashing at her back because Lefty has knocked down enough pillars. The tunnel caves in and Stretch is trapped. Leatherface finds her and again she tries to talk to him to stop and he does stop. The cook and Chop Top catch up and are like, what the heck is this that's going on? Leatherface doesn't say anything. They push him aside and they're like, why haven't you killed her? And Chop Top's like... She's already died once. Not even gathering that, like, Leatherface let her live. Drayton goes on his little rant about, oh, you figured out what sex is. He's like, let me tell you about sex. You want to know about sex? I know about sex. It's a swindle. My favorite part is where he's like, S-C-E-X, sex. (laughs) Sex. 
six. <laughs> it's a very weird line where he's like, it's either sex or the saw. Let me tell you about sex. I don't know anything about it. But Saw, Saw is the family. Weird line that you can interpret a lot of different ways. But then yes. they end up going with keeping her. I was looking at their dialogue to see where they decided to keep her alive. Because he keeps saying, like, kill her or have sex with her. It's when he says, let's see what Grandpa has to say about this. And oh. we know from the first film that Grandpa drinks blood to stay alive for, like, 130-something years. 137 years, I think they said. Okay. They knock her out with a piece of bone. She wakes up at the table, similar to the first movie. It is a very similar ending or homage to the dinner scene that we see in the first one because they even bring out Grandpa, who looks almost exactly the same from the first. They give her the spiel of how Grandpa's Grandpa really was good at, at hammering stuff. Except this time, it is more obvious that Grandpa is alive because he is actually trying to hit her. He just keeps missing. But he finally does unlike in the first one deliver kinda, a blow yeah he perks up and full-on goes at her that's when she gets knocked out here arrives lefty way too fucking late singing a fucking song i don't know what song but just like me and you who are annoyed with lefty the cook's like you come in everybody's house oh you're just singing a fucking song <laughs> that's true and then he believes that he's been sent by his food competitors he's like i'm the lord of the harvest he's like what is that some kind of new health food munch <laughs> just further illustrating how ridiculous Lefty's character is. That the family, like, cannibals is like... Who the hell are you? Why what are you, are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Stretch wakes up and sees that Lefty is there. Again, Lefty completely not caring whatever happens to her. It's kind of like, little sister, you're still alive. Good for you. But he does cut her free. And tells her to run away, at least. Immediately, he turns the chainsaw on and cuts at the cook's butt. And the entire time, the cook continues his rant about, the small businessman always gets it in the ass. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> He also says this line that I just found hilarious. He's like, that took care of my hemorrhoids, though. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, what are we watching? <laughs> he does square off against Leatherface, chainsaw to chainsaw. Again, like you said earlier, it's a very phallic pissing contest. Kind no of. reason to do this. Is it a Texan thing to be like fire with fire? I would cowboy movies. a gun would be more effective, But though. old school cowboy movies, you know, if you have a gun and the other guy doesn't, you have to give him a gun to duel. Possibly. Correct us if we're wrong. We're not Texans. Let us know. These last couple scenes are a little chaotic. Stretch takes this opportunity to kind of run away. Unfortunately, Chop Top has caught on to the fact that she's running away and surprise attacks her from, like, the ceiling. The cook is saying that he's going to take control in his own hands. We find out that they have stored a grenade inside Nubs, the hitchhiker from the first film. Lefty has finally gotten the upper hand on Leatherface and puts the chainsaw into his stomach, which we see a full frontal view of an effect that's pretty cool because it goes all the way through and you see the belly. Cut. I don't think that he would have survived this and he's still standing. Yeah, this is when Lefty pulls out the two mini chainsaws. Grandpa tries to help Leatherface and ends up throwing the hammer at Leatherface's head <laughs> yeah. instead of actually helping it's him. It's a shit show, literally. Leatherface falls, the chainsaw goes through the table and hits the cook's back. The first time I thought it hit him in the skull. The cook screams and lets the grenade go. Lefty is celebrating. You don't even see the explosion. You but don't. Stretch and Chop Top are still running and you hear the explosion in the background. You and never see the inside anymore. Chop Top, I don't think registering what has happened at all is just focus on chasing Stretch. Very similar to the way the hitchhiker chased Sally in the first film. Chop Top is slashing at Stretch's back. Stretch is putting up a fight more than Sally did. She beats him up a little bit. She kicks him in the balls a he couple times. Falls. She kicks him in the face at one point and he's like hanging on for dear life to this rail. It's a scene that I felt, oh my god, he won't stop and you want her to survive. She gets to the top of the exit 
which we find out is an altar for their grandmother. Who was potentially alive but looks dead. It isn't until she pulls the chainsaw out that Chatop's like, you killed her! So I don't know if she's dead or alive. Yeah, so who knows if it's the delusion of the family. They definitely keep the corpses of their family members who've passed, but Grandpa is also 137. It's possible that she was alive and they were keeping her up there or it's the in the same thing way. Or where he worships his mom. Yeah, very much a reference to that. I found it funny because it's so similar to Friday Part 2 where we find the altar of Mrs. Voorhees. Have you ever seen Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah, she looks a lot like the main guy from the... She does! Anyway, she runs up there and Chop Top catches up. They have this weird standoff. It almost seems like Stretch has had it. Chop Top is like slashing at his neck, similar to the hitchhiker in the first one where he's like, look, I can do it to myself, I can do it to you. Stretch is like, fuck you, and turns around and grabs the chainsaw, tries to turn it on. Meanwhile, Chop Top is worried about her having died. Stretch is trying to turn on the chainsaw, just trying over and over and over again. I don't know how likely this would work because if this chainsaw has been here for a long time, things get chopped up. But I'm not gonna bring logic into these movies. Chop Top is slashing at her back, which is strange. He doesn't even truly try to kill her. I don't know if you have any major veins in your back. He has the upper hand. She's focused on this chainsaw. She has an indomitable spirit because she just endlessly tries to turn this chainsaw on. Like, what if it hadn't turned on? She's probably thinking that this family worships chainsaws and they're gonna keep them running. (laughs) Yeah. She ends up being right because she eventually does turn it on and slashes Chop Top across the chest. With that, he falls backwards off the tower, we assume, to his death. And I guess the signature of this franchise, again, we don't know if this happens in part three yet, but... She does a chainsaw dance to end the movie. And I kind of really like this scene because it's cathartic. She is the survivor in the end. She's celebrating. She got the best of all of them. Including Lefty, who fucking left her for dead. And that's it. Yeah, that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. What do you rate it? I don't know what it is. There is something that I really like about at least these two first movies about Leatherface and the film. I think that the original is... Oh man, this is really hard because I think they're great for very different reasons. But I gave the original an 8.5, so I'm going to give this one an 8. Because I do really love Stretch. I do really love that they played up the more humorous side of the Sawyer family as much as you can. Do like that Tom Savini is on for special effects. The first one still, I think, has a crazier storyline or I don't know. I just like it more. I think I gave the first one a seven and a half. I'm going to give this one a seven because the horror factor is definitely decreased. But the craziness of the family, I love to see it. What I thought was cool about the first one was that this family is insane and that's what makes it the scariest. But because it's more humorous, it's less scary. It almost becomes like a horror versus horror comedy. Right. So, seven. I want to see more of this. I already said at the beginning of this that I'm a little sad that if the movies try to go serious, then yeah, it's kind of lame. I guess we have to watch part three. Part three. Part trace. Part trace. Trace. We got to watch that. Yeah, we haven't finished that either. Yeah. I there's think, four of these? I'm not sure. I know there's a part three and then there's a remake in 2003 and then there is Leatherface in 2017. So I wonder if part seems- three is chopped top continuing because he's the only one that's like well i guess some of the others who were in the grenade blast could have survived too i believe that leatherface does come back for the third one and he's got a chainsaw on his stomach just the whole movie probably he became like unkillable he uses that chainsaw to kill people too interesting we should watch the trailer see what happens (laughs) but i believe that is pretty much it for us here i can't wait to watch more yeah i'm having a lot of fun visiting the sequels to these movies yeah what are we watching next we're watching scream 2? i believe that scream 2 is next 
Yes, I can't wait. I think Scream 2 is our last film of the month, right? We have a surprise for everyone. But until we get there, what scared Loki? What did scare Loki about this movie? Chainsaws. The chainsaws. It's hard to tell because sometimes things that are not even in the movie are what's setting him off. Our neighbor kept exiting and leaving and coming back, shutting their door over and over again. And that's what he growls at. You want to tell us about it, Loki? I think he, what he's really upset about is that our water isn't the best quality right now. Oh, yes. That is very upsetting. He the- can't drink his filtered water. It's <laughs> bottled water right now. Wouldn't that make him bougier? He's a very bougie dog. He's getting some ice mountain water instead of filtered faucet water. We love To clarify here. for the listener, they're fucking up our water pipes right now. And they told us that we have to boil it for five minutes in order for it to be safe. <laughs> it really sucks because we can't even wash our dishes and... We're sick. It's it's just kind of been like a shitstorm this weekend. Really the spookiest of weekends, if you will. Truly. In terms of life quality. <laughs> yeah, we had to go make an emergency water run. Since apparently this is going to last till Monday night. Oh, one thing I want to bring up because it didn't get that much love for the same reason that TikTok has rules. But go look at my tiktok because i made a zombie reference with my messed up eyes he did yeah tiktok banned it almost immediately <laughs> immediately it's got like seven views but it's probably because it's just not even getting distributed <laughs> yeah it was a joke on like who i wish i was versus who i actually am and it's like a rage virus pick but you'll see trigger warning for bloody eyes however it's a real medical procedure so yeah i don't know whatever tiktok if you're thinking of lasik definitely go look at it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and see what your eyes will look like afterwards loki doesn't seem to be phased though he still looks at me like i'm okay well you're still walking around with glasses but is that pretty much it for us here yeah that's it all right as always we hope you guys had a good time here with us you can follow us pretty much anywhere at shaken not scared pod except twitter twitter is shaken scared pod you can send us an email at shaken not scared pod at gmail.com you can support the show on patreon we'll name our next drink after you with mentions on our website where the drink page will live forever you can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Stitcher, a bunch of others. Give us a listen and give us a follow. Throw Loki a treat. It's the second to last week of spooky season, so don't miss out on giving Loki the best spooky season of his life. Be sure to review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.